Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Church. All right. So good to see you guys. So glad that you made it here today. And if it's your first time, the building didn't fall in. Isn't that cool? Let's give God praise for that. So once again, Easter is four weeks from today. Four weeks from today. Look at the person next to you and say four weeks from today. I want you to be here. I want you to do two things. Bring somebody with you that doesn't know Jesus and they need a church family. Second thing is, if you call this church home, I want to challenge you to serve somewhere. We're going to be having three services, 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and noon. But also, what's better than that, before we have the services, we're going to be having a sunrise baptism. We're having that at 7 a.m. So if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, be sure to sign up for baptism. You can take a card out of the back of the seat or you can sign up online, be able to do that. But we want to be able to see you following baptism and let the world know that you're pulling for Jesus, your Savior. And if you've got questions about that, we'll answer those. But sign up. You can invite your friends, your family, and then they can join you, can, they can join you at the 8 o'clock service that morning. But other than that, I just wanted to share that with you. I'm excited about Easter. It is the Super Bowl of Christianity. So with that being said, this is the third week of sex wars. I know a lot of people, they wonder why you would teach on something because it is paramount that we do as a church talk about that which a lot of times the church is silent on. And, um, but I'll come out of the gate this week and uh, appreciate Wes last week. He done an amazing job. But this week in the third installment, I want to talk about sex effects. Now, with that being said, I remember growing up, and one of the greatest things I loved was my imagination. You know, your imagination is something that can take you places. And I remember growing up, and I remember going to school, and I remember seeing these pretty girls, and I began to think, and how you always think about, reckon I can go out with him, reckon I can go out with her, and all that kind of stuff. And and you'd take the notes, and you'd say, do you like me? And you'd take the box and say yes or no, right? And so with that being said... You know, you always had that imagination of who you go, who you could like and all that kind of stuff. Well, as I grew up and I got older, your mindset begins to change and you're thinking, you know, I don't want to, to be lonely in life. I, I want to be able to, to have someone as my own. And, and so uh, I began to imagine, I, I began to think about my parents and they had been married a long time and my grandparents and all that. So I began to imagine someone that I could do life with for a long time. And I got in trouble, went to jail when I was 18 began to pray for God to bring me somebody and to do God's will in my life and I would live for him to get me out of the mess I got myself in and so I remember one day I was riding through town and I was driving my 1975 Triumph Spitfire car and then this girl waves her hand out the window and wants me to take her for a ride in my car and so I did that took her and her cousin for a ride in my car and I just thought they wanted the car, you know, because it was a cool car. It was a 1975 Triumph Spitfire. It was really cool, had the top down, and a lot of girls wanted to ride in it. But they didn't really like the car as much. You know, they liked the car a lot more than they liked me. So I thought, this is just another one of them. Well, next thing you know, by God's providence, I run into Shanda again. And next thing you know, she hollers, hey, Terrell, Terrell, come over here and talk to me. And I went over to talk to her, not knowing she was making another guy jealous standing right over here. Both men are so naive. We're just dumb as a box of rocks when it comes to your conniving ways to get a guy, girls. Let's just be honest, okay? But anyway, 
Well, that being said, I asked her to go out on a day date with me the next day, and we went out to lunch, and I looked her square in the eye, and I said, what are you looking for in a husband? She was 17. I did. I'm serious. You're thinking, you're thinking, I would not want to be on the other side of you. I was serious. I just talked about serious things because I've been thinking about imagining things like that for a long time. And so one thing led to another, and a year later, whirlwind romance, and that's all a bunch of more stories. And we uh, had been dating. This is us when we were dating when we were young. And, and uh, I don't know what it is. I would have not dated me if I'd had a haircut like that with a mullet. But anyway, um, so, uh, but a year later after us dating and uh, getting to know one another and God working things out, we got married and went to matrimony here on September 16th, 6.30 o'clock in the evening in 1989. We have now been married for 32 years, and I give God praise for that, for my beautiful wife and our daughters and our grandkids and all of that. So, with that being said, it goes back to the very beginning today. We talk about in Genesis 1 and 27, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Once again, we're fully physical and we're fully spiritual, made in the image of God. Men have the masculine aspect. Women have the feminine aspect. And so with that goes along with this. you got the eros love. You have the agape love. you got a physical attraction. You have a divine love of God that you have. To be able to stay together. But when it comes to teaching on the right things in this stuff right here, a lot of times the church has been silent on sex and especially the bad effects from it. A lot of times it's, they, just, they, they just sweep it away. Let's not talk about that. Or sex is a dirty word. Listen, look at a person next to you and say, thank God for sex or you wouldn't be here. So, Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 and 24 says, at last... The man exclaimed, this one is from, is from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now get this. The imagination is connected to your sexuality. The imagination is connected to your sexuality. How do you know that? What Jesus says in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verse 27, 28 says, Jesus speaking, you have heard the commandments that says, you must not commit adultery, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in her, with her in his heart. Basically, what you have between your ears is the imagination station. That's what's taking place in between your ears. In other words, Jesus is saying this. You can go to bed with someone, another person in your mind. That's what he's talking about here. The ramifications of this is that you end up seeing people as objects. Understanding that the big bed here is for human beings God's way. But a lot of people go to the little bed over here and they do things in animalistic dog ways. There's a big difference between the little bed and the big bed. The big bed is made for humans, made in God's image. Animals were not made in God's image. Do you follow me? If so, say yes. But we begin to act in animalistic ways, and it's very sad that we do. And so Jesus is talking about taking sex into the imagination station and reducing it to culture's animal ways. 
The 25th verse of Genesis 2 says, Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. See, nakedness is a gift from God. It assumes intimacy and trust. No imagination station is going to happen with an animal. My dog that I had, Rhett, my collie, the last one I had, I had to continually keep a shock collar on him because his animalistic ways, he wanted to break out from it. He did not have a mind to think for himself. So that's the same way with human beings. The little bed, God says, is animal ways. The big bed is where God says that we are to have the marriage bed here. And a lot of times they just don't think in those measures. Our lovemaking is in marriage reflects God's nature and character. So, and, and here's what happens. The enemy always looks for a counterattack. God gives us great gifts and the devil wants to do his best to distort them. God created sex and when God gives us a gift, the devil always has a counterfeit to come at us. Think about lust. Lust is strong desire. And God has given us desire, but the problem is with mankind, they use it in a God-forbidden way. Lust is taking sex out of context and looking at someone like they're an object for someone's own selfish sexual gratification or some kind of sexual high. And there's no doubt in a crowd of people this big or those of you that are watching online across the world, there's people here that struggle with that, what I call lusters. You say, what do you mean lusters, Pastor? Are you here today? Are you a luster that's here today? Do you struggle with being a luster? There's a few different kinds. There's a situational luster. There's that person who they just happen to see someone or, or something in that situation, and then they dwell upon it. Then there's what we would call a recreational luster, the ones that proactively go to their phone and they scroll sites or they go to a computer and they look at websites or they go somewhere and rent a movie or they buy a book or they look at a, a magazine or they do like some men may do and they go to what they call a gentleman's club it's not a gentleman's club it's a kennel club is what it is looking at other humans as objects acting animalistic in the ways that they are, dabbling with the dog bed. But then it's even worse with some lusters. It's the obsessional luster. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? They have a whole secret side to themselves that no one knows that they're a slave to lust. They look for opportunities. They even schedule business trips to be able to indulge in their lusting. And what's sad, they really think they're having a good time assaulting God's beautiful gift with the imagination station. You don't think about the person that you're lusting after. That the person that you're lusting after is someone's daughter or someone's son or someone's friend. Maybe you need to think about it in this measure. How would you like someone lusting after your daughter or your wife or your husband or your son? How would that make you feel? And the sad part of it is, is that this is a person that people lust after that Jesus died and shed his life's blood for. It's so self-centered, so selfish, isn't it? God didn't just save us from sin. He saved us for his pleasure 
for his purpose, and for his greatness. And the thing about it is, after this sexual high, people feel guilty. They end up having remorse for the things that they've done. But then what happens is it builds back again, and then they go for it again. And it's like a a vicious cycle that happens over and over and over again. It's like they go here, and they they go over here, and next thing you know, they get in the doggy bed. They eat the doggy food. And next thing you know, they act like, whoa, whoa, they act like a dog. Lust here, lust there, lust everywhere sad we're not dogs we're not animals what type of luster are you situational recreational or obsessional Paul said this in Ephesians 4 he said with the Lord's authority I say this Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Are you a dog? End up lusting, jumping in a dog bed. Wow, a lot of times people think that was great. Then they want to vomit. You say, why do they want to vomit, Pastor? They feel like vomiting because of the shame and the guilt and the remorse and the emptiness that it causes and sometimes even anger. Proverbs 26 and 11 says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly see God's idea of marriage for the marriage bed is one man one woman one marriage for one lifetime it's God's idea he thought it up sex is for in marriage it is for procreation but it's also for recreation in the marriage bed it's interesting that God thought sex up and He gave sex to humanity before sin ever entered the human equation. Sex is something you are before it's something that you do. But it must be used in a God-given way and not misused in culture's way. Culture has a way and culture's doing everything it can do to teach us what they think it needs to be done from the enemy's ways. There's a sexed up society and it's that sexed up society that's out there that we live in has given a wrong perspective of sex. Several things when it comes to culture's ways. Fortification, sex out of wedlock is one of them. Advocates for use stats reveal that 46% of high school students, high school age students, and 60% of those seniors have had sex. You know how many people that? That's about 9 million teenagers that's already had sex. U.S. Census of, of Bureau data shows that marriage rates have fallen. In 2016, just a few years back, 18 million adults were cohabitating. That's up 29% since 2007 when it was only 14 million and roughly half of the cohabitators are younger than 35 years old 23 percent of them are 50 and older since 2007 the number of cohabitating adults 
uh, 50 and up grew by 75%. My daddy always used to say something. And when I was a kid, I didn't really understand it. And I may have laughed. But my daddy would say, why buy the cow if you get the milk for free? Sad, but true. Culture's way. Ken Hughes of Evangelical Alliance of America said that one-third of church people, church people, between the ages of 18 and 35, says there's nothing wrong with sex before marriage. Those who live together before marriage are 50% more likely to divorce than those who don't. Another way of culture is adultery. It's just commonplace in society today. Adultery. The media, the TV, they just savvy it up and plays it up as if it is absolutely normal for adultery. You know, I had a thought. What, what if the Levitical law was played out today? You say, what do you mean, Pastor? What if the Levitical law that's in the scriptures here was enforced today? Leviticus 20 and 10 says, if a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the man and the woman who have committed adultery must be put to death. Then it says in Proverbs 6 and 32, but the man who commits adultery is an utter fool for he destroys himself. If that law was in place in the United States of America right now, I'll tell you what business I would be in. I'd be a funeral home director because you'd have plenty of them. They would really be dying to get in, wouldn't they? have about half the population in the U.S. according to recent studies. About 15% of marriages in the U.S. end in infidelity. But what if adultery was happening another way? Pornography. Once again, what did Jesus say? You must not commit adultery. He said, but I say anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart, looking lustfully. <laughs> Do you know there was an article in today's Christian Women's Magazine based on their study, they found that one in six women, including Christian women, struggle with a pornography addiction. Conservative studies show that 50% of men, and they, some studies even say that it's more struggle with pornography and a host of other lustful issues. The higher users of pornography, you know who they are? The higher users of pornography is ages 12 to 17. Oh, they want that iPhone, don't they? They beg you to you give them that iPhone and full-blown internet access. But what are you doing about it, parents, to monitor where they're going to on their phones when they go to bed with them at night or when they have them in their pocket and they're not in your presence? You are responsible for what they're looking at, parents. Matthew 5 and 29 says, So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. 
Now, is, is Christ speaking in the literal sense here? If so, to be pure from sexual sin would mean there'd be a lot of one-eyed people, right? What's saying? It was. How about culture's way of abortion? Psalm 139, read it, about the beauty of how God created us and that he created us in the womb and that we ordered our steps before we were ever born and, and delicately knit us together every piece of our bodies. How about Exodus 20 and 13 says, do not murder. Since Roe versus Wade, Supreme Court ruling, which was in 1973, let me bring to your ears how many murders have taken place just in America alone. 63,459,781 babies have been murdered in the womb. Why is this taking place and why is it so prevalent in our society? See, pro-choice advocates, what they like to do is promote abortion, referring to the life that's in a mother's womb as an it, as a thing, as a problem, as a fetus, instead of saying it's a baby. They don't want to say it's a baby. And if a woman believes there's a baby growing within her, then she may think of herself as a mother and then naturally seek to protect the life of her baby. For some, though, they seek abortion for their selfish future or the shame of facing another human being. baby's innocent the baby's innocent the pregnancy isn't a sin it was the sex out of the marriage bed out of wedlock was the sin i love what the late great president ronald reagan said he said i've noticed that everyone who is for abortion has already been born I want to say this to you from my heart. If you know of any young lady, any lady that's pregnant, and they're talking about aborting that child, the people here at this church would love to love that baby for a lifetime. You can talk to us discreetly and with confidence. But please don't murder that baby. That baby done nothing wrong. Another culture's ways. Homosexuality. And you know what some people say? They say that Jesus never taught about homosexuality. So he didn't talk about transgenderism. So the church shouldn't say that it's a sin. But Jesus reaffirmed God's plan for marriage is between one biological male and one biological female. Matthew 19, 4 through 6, he says, haven't you read the scriptures? He said, Doug, haven't you read what it says? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said here, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. 
Listen to me closely. Because you are tempted with same-sex attraction does not make you a homosexual. Also, don't make what you're tempted with your identity that it's some kind of cool thing. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it's a sin if you act upon it. Whether you're tempted with same-sex feelings or you're tempted with pornography to commit adultery or fornication, whatever it is, people like to justify and they like to rationalize their sexual sins and then they want to judge and criticize the others what they think is big sins. Sexual sins grieve the heart of Almighty God because His Son, Jesus, died for them. And at Freedom Church, we're going to, listen to me, we're going to love everybody and everybody is welcome here. Whether they're a fornicator, adulterer, a homosexual, a drunkard, an addict or whatever. But listen, we love you and we accept you. But we will not love and we will not accept your sins that you're caught up in. Gonna let you know Jesus loves you and Jesus is for you, and we're for you to be able to find the forgiveness in Jesus and to be able to find deliverance from whatever it is and to get the life that God created you to live before you ever breathed your first breath. Another of culture's ways is divorce. Marriage for better, for worse. Love better and hate the worst, don't they? Right? About 50% of marriages now are ending in divorce. Why? Because it seems easier to get out than to get through. And there are grounds for divorce. I'm not saying that. Jesus said himself, if it's adultery. I've had friends that's worked through that. I'm not saying even get out there. Maybe you can work through it. But he said, adulterers one. Another thing is, if you're in fear for your life from abuse, you may have to resort to getting out. But the problem is with our society is this. I want you to understand. But to settle that the cause of irreconcilable differences, especially when you have kids in the mix, everybody loses. Especially have kids to take mommy's hand in this new family and daddy's hand in this new family and they're trying to make sense of two worlds for the rest of their lives. Again, Eros love attracts you. It's the agape divine love of God that will sustain you and get you through. Those of you that are single here Or maybe you're single again. I implore you to read in the New Testament Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 for instructions on a godly marriage. Please read that and make it part of your life. Look for a way through, not a way out. Because serious issues can arise from culture's way of doing these things. Too many tears and too much pain and unexpected babies and broken marriages and all to do with bad sex effects. You say, what are the effects? The bad effects is simply this. First and foremost, the slavery effects. Did you know that, I don't know if you knew this, did you know that 90% of Americans are addicted to caffeine? Did you know that? 
How many of you will join hands with me and I will be, this is a recovery program. If you're addicted to caffeine like me, raise your hand. Okay. All right. Good. How many of you here are like me? You tried to quit and you got a headache. Raise your hand. So what we do? We went right back to the caffeine. Right? Went right back to it again. I love my coffee. I love it strong. I drink it morning, noon, and night. I love it. When I turned about 40, I had to quit drinking it too late at night or I would go ahead and plan the next calendar year in my leadership of what I do. So I can't do it. It keeps me up at night. Anyway, that will tell me right there what it's doing to me, but it becomes part of your life, the caffeine does, don't it? And it's hard for people quit sexual sins when they get caught up in it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning verse 12 through 14, it says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord from the dead. And people say, but pastor, it's a, it's a natural thing to do this. Yes, but it's to be done in a divine way, in God's way. And remember, once again, it's his idea. He thought it up. And here's the sad part about it is when you begin to do things over here in the little bed and you get near that and you get near a person you begin embracing you begin caressing you get to a boiling point then there's a point of no return and then you step into regret remorse guilty what happened There's a body effects as well. You say, what do you mean? Emotionally? It affects your body mentally, physically. Look at 1 Corinthians here in chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Let me ask you this, for those of you that are like me, addicted to coffee. (laughs) What goes good with coffee? Dessert. Dessert. How many of you like some really good cheesecake? Raise your hand. But I tell you what let's do. For the next two weeks, I want us to get together and let's make a commitment. We're only going to drink coffee and eat cheesecake for the next two weeks. Three meals a day. I'll guarantee you one thing. You'll be calling me or trying to text me or send me a message and say, Pastor, I can't do it tomorrow. I'm sick of cheesecake. You would. Dessert's good, but it has its place. It will not make you healthy physically if you ate cheesecake three meals a day for the next two weeks, would you? You would not be healthy. Now, you agree with me? Say yes. Just like sexuality, though. God made a way for us to experience sex in a marriage bed, procreation and recreation, and you meet each other first, you just don't jump right to the dessert. Does that make sense? Say yes. 
You say, why would I not do that, pastor? Because you don't learn to say, what does he like? What does, what does he like? What does she like? You know, what do you want to do for a career path? What church are we going to go to? What do you like as far as having different things? Where is God going to be ultimately in our equation? See, the mentality of people is that they try the sexual relation right out of the start. Once again, eros loves attracts you together, but it is the divine love of God that will keep you and sustain you and get you through. Do you know that one out of five sexually active people will get an STD before the age of 21? A survey of high school students said this, that 81% of them said that they were sorry that they had done that for the first time. I taught my girls this, and I'll pass it along to you. I taught my girls, I said, and you can do this with your boys and your girls, but I taught them this, I said, you have a gift to give one time. You want to be sure you give that gift to the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. That important. Or you may live in regret. Yes, God can forgive you. Yes, he will. And he will give you his peace, love, and joy. But doing it God's way is the only way, not cultures. Reminds me of a little boy. He asked his grandpa. He said, Grandpa, he said, I don't know how your generation got away from all the sexual diseases. He said, what did y'all wear for safe sex? He said, son, we wore wedding rings. We wore wedding rings. Of course, there's not only the Slavery effects and the body effects, but ultimately the spiritual effects of the bad effects of sexuality outside of the marriage bed. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Listen to this. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now let me read that again. Listen to me closely what I just read. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? If you understand what I just said, would you say yes? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people none of these will inherit the kingdom of God some of you were once like that but you were cleansed you were made holy you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So today it's not culture's way. It's going to get you through. It's God's way. And I want to share with you what, what would be the best way to look at God's way. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4 in the message explicitly, explicitly spells it out for us. Honor marriage. And guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. 
listen to this. What is acceptable in society today is detestable to God forever. Premarital sex, living together, multiple partners, unwanted pregnancies, abortions, STDs, pornography, homosexuality, divorce made easy. It just doesn't work. Time to stop expecting God to expect, to accept culture's way, and we seek God's holy way. As Christians, we're not supposed to live by society's standards, but we're to live by the, the Word of God and our Savior's teaching and do it God's way. The time, there's times in your life to where the, you'll be really vulnerable, but whenever you are not pursuing God, that's when you're most vulnerable. When I'm pursuing God and when I'm on mission for God and I'm seeking His face and I'm running after God's calling with everything that I've got in my life, with all that I've got, man, I, I'm in good shape. But the enemy's going to do everything he can to find your weaknesses. So how does he win? How's he going to win? By finding where that you are not pursuing God. So here's what I want to challenge you where you can win. You do everything you can do from the time you get up in the morning that you pursue God with prayer and the Word of God. You pursue God throughout the day. You pursue God in the evening. You pursue God and talk to Him before you close your eyes on your pillow at night. You do what you can do to get in a church family. And I mean be in a church family. Serve in a church family. Love a church family. Give in a church family. Get your kids in a church family. Be sure that you're here. Be a part of a connection group. Be a part of a serve team. Be here with people to find friends that you can be accountable to and hold you accountable. That you're going to live right and do right. If you need counseling, that's what we're here for. We have a pastoral team. We'll do what we can do to help you. I don't have time for distractions. My enemy wants to throw me my way, and you don't either. We don't have time for that kind of stuff because he wants to take you down. The temptations of this world won't look so good when I'm serving and I'm seeking God with everything I've got in me, and it won't look so good to you either. Philippians 4 and 8. One of my favorite verses in the scripture. I've got a lot of them. This is one of them that I want to keep before my heart and my mind. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. When we're filling our minds with the right things, it doesn't leave any room for anything else. It's time to start, stop condoning the things that we're doing that may be wrong and start confessing those things, especially sexual sins, to a God who can forgive you and heal you and take you into the life He created you to live. That's why it says here in Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, now repent. You understand that word repent? Maybe you've been going from not this direction, but you've been going in the direction instead of acting like God, godliness in the godly marriage bed for what it needs to be and getting caught up in sexual sins. You've been moving toward and acting like an animal. You begin to walk this way. But when you get to a point that you realize that you're over here acting like a dog and doing things that, that treat people like objects and, and getting caught up in things on your phone or things in the flesh and all those kind of things, and you come to yourself and you realize that God wants to take you out of this animalistic ways that you've got yourself caught up in 
The word repent simply means that it's the Greek word metanoia. means a change of mind. I change the mind and the imagination station. And I'm going to turn away from the things that I know that are not of God. And I'm going to begin to follow God. And I'm going to seek his face. And I know he died for my sins. And he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. And because that blood was shed for me, it's the remission of my sins. And I know through Jesus Christ, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's what I can do. I don't have to live like that. Not going to live like that. You'll not find the blessings of God right over here. Not a one. It's when you seek his face. And you live like he wants you to live. That's when you step into what it says in the rest of the verse. Listen to this right here. Listen to this. It says... Now you repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins will be wiped away. Cast as far as the east is to the west. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Thank you, Jesus. Stand with me. Stand with me. Father, we come in your presence to praise you and to honor you and thank you for your spirit. And we know, God, through the Holy Spirit, you're going to do a healing work in this place for the wounds, God, that may be here in this place, for the sins that need to be forgiven and for the confusion that may be dominating people's minds. Oh, Lord God in heaven, pray for healing. Pray that you'll renew and you'll refresh the minds of everyone according to your word. May our eyes be fixed on you, Jesus, today. And on your way, Holy Father. Each and every day, may we run towards you, living out the purpose and the calling and serving you with our families and with our church and with our community. God, may we very well live on mission for you to be an example of your love, your grace, and your mercy. Not distracted, Heavenly Father, by the culture's ways. Some of you here today know you've messed up. But you also know that Jesus died for your mess ups. And he loves you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just asking you to raise your heart and open it to the Holy Spirit. As we continue this time of prayer. Would you do business with God right now and just say, God, I, I, I'm sorry for anything in my heart that I've done and I've acted any way that's dishonored you, God. That I've gotten caught up in any of these sexual sins that's been mentioned today that comes from your word. Just tell him right now, right where you say, God, please forgive me. God, please cleanse me. Please, in the name of Jesus Christ and his blood he shed on Calvary to cleanse me right now. Cleanse me, oh God. Take those things out of my life, I pray in the name of Jesus. Do that right now. Tell him, say, Lord, I repent of these things. That means, God, I'm going to go another direction, and I need your help, God. I need your spirits leading in my life. I challenge you right now, church, that you find an accountability partner, that person you can trust. And some of you are thinking, man, I I just can't do that, Pastor. If I do that, they're going to know about my sins. Listen, they've got sins too, friend. friend that loves you wants the best for you 
here, if you're not a Christ follower, it's going to be absolutely impossible to keep these sins out of your life because you don't have the strength of the Holy Spirit. You don't have that power that comes from the Holy Spirit of God to be able to strengthen you and, and through the relationship you have with Him and with others. And you need Jesus today. Some of you just need to ask Him in your heart for the first time. That's you today, and he's knocking on your heart. Would you just lift your hand real high right now? Don't worry about who's around. Just shoot your hand up right now and say, I need Jesus in my heart for the first time today, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else, just shoot your hand up and say, I, I need you today, Lord. I need to ask him in my heart for the first time. I want you to discover the, the one who made you and has such a great life for you that he wants to bless you and lead you. Anyone else? No one prays alone. We're going to pray together and we just pray to the Lord right here and just be praying church and just tell him say Heavenly Father I invite you into my life I want to surrender my life to you Jesus you died for me and you rose again so I could live for you fill me with your spirit so I can pursue you and serve you with all my heart save me my life is yours Thank you for my new life. I repent. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to follow you from this day forward. I give you my heart and everything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just gave your heart to Jesus online or in this auditorium, please let us know about that. It's not the end of the race. You just began it, and we want to be able to help you with that. Please let us know that. And most of all, if you've given your heart to Christ in the intimacy of your heart, it, their next step is to go public with it in baptism. I want to challenge you to sign up for baptism Easter Sunday morning, April 17th, four weeks from today. You can invite your friends and your family and your loved ones, and, man, they're going to come, and it's just going to be an exciting time that you'll be able to show them who you're pulling in life for now and that's your savior jesus christ so it's just an amazing amazing thing of what god wants to do father you are such a good god we praise you we honor you we thank you for this day we thank you for the lives you've touched the lives you've changed and the ones you cleansed the ones you've healed the ones that are hurting and wounded and those that were confused give them clarity of mind in the name above all names whereby we must be saved and everyone says amen let's give our great god praise church all right So uh, we're going into a time of giving right now, and I want to say to you next week before we go into the giving, next week I'm going to talk about the birds and the bees. We're going to talk about how to talk to our kids and our grandkids about sexuality and the right age to talk to them, how to do that. We're going to talk about that in detail next week. And we're also not only outside of the Word of God, we're going to have some resources for you that you can pick up over at Church Merch on, uh, on how to be able to read up on that. What do I do? When's the right time to do it? How do I gauge that with my children's age and their mentality and all those things? Listen, this is important, church. If you think it's important, say yes. So that's next week. And so some of you know families that got children. And, and uh, you know, i got to tell you this. This is just... Last service, I had a lady come up to me. You know what she did? She told me this. She said, during the service, I wouldn't have normally done this. But she said, I had to text my teenage son and apologize to him and tell him I was sorry that I didn't teach him this when he was first learning about God's way. 
So I want to help you. I want to help you. It's my heart to help our church. We want to make this thing called beautiful what the world is ruining, okay, out there. So be here. Invite somebody to be with you next week. I'm going to pray over the offering in just a moment. You have multiple ways that you can give. I want to say thank you for those of you that do give to this ministry. Uh, We want to just be good stewards of it and reach people to know God. That's our heart and vision as a church. And so you can give in multiple ways. You can give on the the kiosks out there. You can give on your phone, on the app. You can give tangibly as you leave on our website, wherever it is. But thank you so much for your faithful giving of tithes and offerings that we can continue reaching people to know God. I'm going to pray over that, and then um, I'll share one thing with you and let you go. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we honor you. We thank you for this amazing day. You're such a good, merciful God. So thank you for the opportunity to be in your house to worship you and adore you and praise you. Thank you, God, for the hearts and minds that have been touched today and the ones that have been saved and brought salvation into their souls. Bless them, God. Thank you for this time that we get to give back tangibly, God, through our resources to be able to continue our ministry of reaching people locally, globally, and everywhere in between. And then everybody says, amen. All right. Once again, next week. Part four, birds and the bees. If you're here and you're hurting, we're going to invite our pastors to come up front right here. And uh, if you're hurting, you need someone to pray for you. This is the house of prayer. Please come up front. Let everybody else slip out. And uh, also, if Shannon and I have never met you, we're going to be out here in the lobby. We'd love to meet you. And God bless you. Bring somebody with you next week. Don't come alone. I love every one of you. God bless you.